to the Jambase Podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. This episode presents my interview with lettuce drummer Adam Deitch. We spoke recently about the band's outstandingly funky new album, Unify, that came out on June 3rd. We'll hear that interview right after a brief message from this episode's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Grateful Fred. Show your love of great music on the DL with Grateful Fred. Grateful Fred brings officially licensed, high-quality chrome badges and more to fans of the Grateful Dead, Fish, and Widespread Panic. Check out a wide array of designs like the 13-point bull, the steely, dancing bears, song titles, and numerous other classic Grateful Dead designs. Find the full Grateful Fred collection at www.grateful-fred.com. That's G-R-A-T-E-F-U-L-F-R-E-D.com. Visit gratefulfred.com today. So before we get into this episode's interview, I want to call out something cool Fish guitarist Trey Anastasio did this week. Trey's been playing a short run of solo acoustic shows, which brought him to Grand Rapids last Monday night. At the start of the encore, Trey brought up a seven-year-old girl from the audience who was holding up a sign asking if she could join him in singing the Fish song, Bug. Trey fulfilled the little girl named Jovi Cruzen's wish, bringing her up on stage to sing the song from Farmhouse. I'm actually old friends with Jovi's dad. We both grew up in the same hometown, and played sports together as little kids, and when we got older, we saw several fish shows together in the late 90s. I had a different friend, shout out J-Man, who first sent me the video of Jovi singing with Trey, but it wasn't until my wife Jocelyn showed me a post on Facebook by Jovi's dad, Mark, that I made the connection. Mark told me Jovi loves to sing and has been really getting into fish lately. Jovi told us that she wasn't very nervous and only needed a deep breath to hold back her tears. I may be a little bit biased, but I think Jovi crushed it. And if Trey's beaming smile and effusive praise afterward is any indication, he was mightily impressed as well. Way to go, Jovi. It's great to see the kids are all right. Yeah. 
You may have noticed that there wasn't a new Jam-based podcast episode last week. We hope you used the break to catch up on our past episodes you might have missed. If you think about it, a band made up of the last few Jam-based podcast guests would be pretty sick. Let's see, it would be John Bell of Widespread Panic and Brendan Bayless of Umphreys McGee sharing guitar duties. Pianist Bruce Hornsby adding his signature accompaniment. Wilco bassist John Stewart holding down the low end. And now we have lettuce drummer Adam Deitch behind the kit. That's one hell of an all-star band, if you ask me. Part of the reason for our absence last week was that the Jambase editorial team held a summit in Denver, and travel and some technical difficulties kept us from putting together an episode. When I was leaving Denver last weekend, I ran into Adam Deitch while going through security. It was a bit weird and surreal to be standing face-to-face with someone who just a few days before I had interviewed over a video call. Getting to meet in person was an added treat to an amazing week in Denver. I also caught two Umphreys McGee shows. And Adam was just as cool in person as he was when we talked over the Zoom call. When I interviewed Adam, we focused mostly on the new Lettuce album, Unify, which came out on June 3rd. Adam told me about making the album during the COVID-19 pandemic and maneuvering through the challenges it presented. We talked about the amazing experience of getting to work with legendary funk bassist Bootsy Collins, who appears on the track Keep the Funk Alive. Adam and his Lettuce bandmates have worked with many iconic musicians over the years, but Bootsy, a pioneer when it comes to funk music, was among the all-time highlights for Adam. We also discussed other guests who contributed to the record, including Dumpster Funk bassist Nick Daniels on Everything's Gonna Be Alright, and Berkeley professor Jeff Lockhart on guitar on The Lock. Adam went into the band's creative process, how they communicate in the studio, self-producing Unify, and working with engineer Jesse O'Brien at Colorado Sound Studios. We covered a bunch of other topics during our chat, which was really enjoyable for me. When I saw Adam, he was hustling from the Sonic Boom Festival in Colorado to Bonnaroo in Tennessee. If you get the chance, be sure to check out Lettuce Live sometime soon. You may even hear Lettuce play one of my favorite Unify tracks, Waffles, which has a cool origin story that Adam told me towards the end of our chat. So let's hear a bit of Waffles to lead us into my interview with Lettuce drummer Adam Deitch. I'm here with Adam from Lettuce, and we are going to talk about the new album, Unify, which comes out on June 3rd, a week from tomorrow. Um, it's a it's a terrific new album, man. I really enjoy listening to it. Um, it, 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 uh, it. It has a nice flow to it. There's a nice mix of, instru- nice mix of instrumentals with some songs with lyrics. Um, I'm interested. So when did you guys start putting it together? When did the recording process start? Uh, probably started... You know, a couple of the songs have been written for uh, a few years. Uh, Most of the writing took place during the pandemic, which, you know, the silver lining of the pandemic was we we were home in our home studios and had time to write. So that's why this record might feel a little more complete. And we had time to create and send ideas back and forth. And everybody added their things and added horn lines and, you know, and um, I was able to hang out on my Pro Tools and 
kind of, you know, get the meat and potatoes rolling. That, that's kind of how, what I do as far as the writing, the baseline, or, you know, come up with a, a, you know, a prehistoric, you know, baseline for Jesus to, to yeah. work with and, and, uh, you know, a, a great drum beat that's unlike anything we've ever had. And, and maybe some, uh, you know, uh, really, you know, uh, stick man kind of guitar part or something for the, uh, for Schmees to pick up on. And so, yeah, we, we had time to write and, 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 uh, I'm glad that, you know, this record is, uh, feels like a complete statement. And so did you, you immediately took to writing when you guys were, I, I assume like forced off the road from the pandemic, you're all at your uh -huh. own home studios. Were you immediately motivated to start working on, on these new songs? Absolutely. Um, you know, being home was, uh, again, this, this weird blessing. And because I was teaching online, I was teaching drums, uh -huh. um, online through zoom and, um, kind of put me in a good mood, you know, put me in play drums mode every day and teaching. And I'd be done teaching around five o'clock, six o'clock. And I would start writing letter songs, you know, and, uh, it just kind of worked out like that. And by the time the guys flew in for, uh, for the recording session in Denver, we had, you know, 15 to 20 songs to choose from. So what is your process then for making those kind of demos you were just describing? You mentioned Pro Tools. What's your primary instrument? I mean, you're a drummer, but you're, you're, you mentioned a whole bunch drummer, of instruments. Yeah, you know, I grew up playing uh, a little piano, a little guitar, a little bass, and uh, a love for horns, you know, especially mm -hmm. trumpet and tenor sax and alto sax and stuff like that. So um, I know how to put together a pretty decent demo that the guys can hear. Sure. You know, with a lot of studio trickery, because I'm not a great guitar player. <laughs> yeah. But uh, enough that they hear it and they go, this could be a lettuce song. Good work, Deitch. And then I know I've done my job, you know. Um, they're my audience, you know. Like, I want the guys to love it. I want them to say, this, this is a song I could play every night the rest of my life, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's my goal with, with, with sending them songs. And they do the same thing. She means send songs around. Jesus sends songs around that are phenomenal. Uh, Zoidus has great ideas and Benny has great ideas and Nigel has some great ideas. So we all just, uh, you know, I think I, I kind of set off the motion of writing. Okay. And then they all start going, okay. Yeah. Now we're writing too. And then, and then it's this beautiful exchange of ideas. And then we have a full record. And, and room for uh, a next record, you know, songs for the next record also. Uh -huh. and, and the album's called Unify, but you mentioned that it was started at least while you guys were all separate. Um, yeah. When did the, the it's, it's not a concept album, but when did the concept of calling it Unify and when did you decide to, to kind of couch it all under that umbrella? Well, it was really easy. You know, during the pandemic, we're on social media or watching the country split apart. You know, politically, um, families screaming at each other at dinner. Um, nobody could be with their friends. And, and I, I, what do we need right now as a country, as a world, on the planet? We need to all unify up with our people again and our families. And, and you know, we missed each other. We wanted to unify, get back together mm -hmm. and play. So there's just many reasons why it was unify. You know, it wasn't just politically. It wasn't just you know, uh, us, uh, as a band, it was everything. It was everything. It just, you know, oh. I just felt unified perfectly fit. Um, what we were all trying to do, 
you know, all of us, you know, in lettuce or not in lettuce. Like all encompassing. Yeah, all encompassing. That's how I felt about it. And, and did do you think that the pandemic ex- itself, that being secluded, dealing with lockdown, dealing with not being able to tour, do you think that in, it, it influenced the actual music on the album? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, Gravy Train was written on Thanksgiving and I had Thanksgiving alone in Denver by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. Originally it was called Turkey Funk, (laughs) you know, and, and, uh, you know, it was the idea of writing celebratory, good feeling music that raised people's spirits, you know, And, and that was on my mind. That was on all of our minds, you know, obviously staying true to the music we love, but knowing that people need a, need a lift. And, uh, and, and that, that, that was the focus. then about the recording process when you guys did get into the the studio together that was in colorado right the album yeah when you guys recorded the album together when you did get into the studio uh, together everybody flew out in the middle of pandemic we had testing and you know pcr tests and uh, no one's allowed in the studio rule which i loved you know no hanger-ons no no extra people besides just the band and the engineer it wasn't a hangout spot it was it was a place of reconnecting with my best friends in the world you know catching up seeing each other high-fiving each other hugging each other you know and um like what a focused recording session yeah i was just gonna say very focused it sounds like like you could really be just absorbed in the music exactly completely 100 percent in it um we didn't have uh you know, the last couple of records, uh, two records, we had this enormously famous, legendary producer, engineer working with us, Russ Elevato. And this record, we decided to, to take what we've learned from him and try to do it ourselves, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we needed that focus. We needed to be completely aware of what we were doing. And and, and it was just great. And, and it just... I'm really happy the way it turned out. I hope people love it. So you guys co-produced it, uh, right? Like that that's yeah, what you're yeah. referring to there. It's definitely a produced by Lettuce. I, I have to say that Ryan Zoidis did a great job of, you know, helping with, you know, a re- mixing and doing all the cool effects on the horns and the drums yeah. and echo plex delays and vintage gear stuff that, he knows better than all of us. And 
um, you know, everyone did their thing. You know, Schmeeds was in there a lot. Benny did a whole bunch of helping, helping out with horn fixes. And you know, everyone, everyone just really contributed hard. Nigel did an amazing job, you know, not only writing tunes for the album, but, uh, you know, playing all, all amazing, you know, six different keyboard parts per song. And, Mm-hmm. it's just you know it's a full-on effort from everybody i was gonna ask if you guys did kind of assume different roles <laughs> as it pertained to the production and it sounds like you guys did yeah everyone's got their strengths and, and and we all work so well together and we're all so happy to be in the studio together mm-hmm. that there's no tension at all it's like you know we played all the tracks live like you oh, know really? so you know, they we're all in the same room and we do, you know, we don't do the one at a time thing, right, you know, like, right. like other bands I won't call out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a bit surprising, yeah, like, you know, honestly, we, like I wouldn't, I don't know that I would pick that up. Not that it sounds, you know, not live, but it's just, you guys sound so tight on the album that I'm, I'm somewhat surprised to hear that. Yeah. All the, all the basic tracks were 100% all of us in the room. And then there were a couple things added, like you know, sure, Nigel, sure. you know, if Nigel cut organ on the on the live track, he'd go back and overdub some clavinet or some Fender Rhodes or some Moog, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, if she means wanted to go back and and add a solo later, like he could do that, or or he could add a a different part. You know, there were like a couple little fixes after, but the you know the the bulk of the tracks were all live and played live you know, with all of us in the same room, looking at each other and vibing the fuck out. And, and you guys have all been together for such a long time now. And, and and I assume that there's a common language amongst you guys that you use when you're in the studio. Does that help kind of prevent there from being conflicts and, and allow you guys to communicate with sort of a shorthand? We just all have the same goal for the music. Okay. You know, and... Yeah. and we just never argue. It's it's one giant love fest in the studio every time with these guys, you know, and uh, just fucking high fives and ideas. I think the one argument I got into, I walked into the room while, while Nigel was doing horns for uh, the song that he arranged and, and co-wrote. Um, everything's going to be all right. Uh-huh. And I walked in just to like see how the horns were going. And I was like, Hey, you think the horn should go da 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 da? And I started singing something, and he <laughs> and he, uh, he said, "Get out of here! I got it." <laughs> and I said, "Okay, all right." You know, and I walked right out of the room. Like I, I was just there for help. You know, you don't need me. Great, like conflict resolved. <laughs> yeah, easily, easily resolved. You know, so we're yeah. It, it all everyone just plays to their strengths and and does their own thing. And and you guys are obviously technically very good at your, at what you do. You're very, um, skillful musicians, but you're, you're also though a band that's very based on vibe. And I'm curious how much of the conversations when you're in the studio is, is technical and how much of it is kind of talking about the vibe, so to speak. Um, well, when we're in the studio, a lot of what we say to each other is singing notes. Okay. Uh, singing a phrase, singing like, a like what you were just doing with Nigel. Exactly, and the we, we we do more of that of communicating through notes and singing the things that we want, the inflections and the the fine tuning, or you know how the 
somebody wants the hi hat to be on this section, or they'll just say, you know, they'll, they'll sing that to me, and, and okay, or I'll, I'll sing like on the, on the baseline, maybe try a you know this or, or you know, so it's everything's communicated through a musical. We're like these birds that just sing to each other, okay, all day, you know. So it's yeah. not even a lot of English. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, yeah. You know, and how often? Is that your question? Is that, is yeah, that no, it's exactly. I was at, like, I'm definitely curious about what the actual sound of it is. What, what is, what does the language that you guys speak to each other? What's it sound like? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mostly a singing notes to each other, sing, singing like ideas to each other and accomplishing those. And then going, you guys like that take? Is that it? And they go, yep. Cause I do. And they go, are you cool with the drums on that? Dice? Yes, I am. You know, okay, great. Let's add those couple extra trumpet pops or let's add that that last synth synth part, you know, and move on to the next song. It's really not a lot said, you know, it's mostly just, you know, communicating how we communicate, which is singing, singing our parts to each other and singing our ideas to each other. So there's never any vague like, oh, this part should be more purple. Right. You know, yeah, I'm not feeling the energy from this. It's like, uh, okay, what are you specific? We talk specifically in notes, you know, that way there's no gray area with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And do you ever reference either something you've done before or another artist's work or something like that as well? Oh, we're, we're, we always reference things, um, kind of, you know, effects that we like, or, you know, past albums or or albums from the 60s and 70s uh you know reggae dub records from lee scratch perry or 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 Jimi hendrix are you experienced you know for the psychedelic parts or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and we and we listen to these great timeless records and we go through them and you know we'll sit back and smoke a joint all of us together and just take a break from our record and you know, on these like million dollar speakers there in the studio that we're in, like, we'll listen to these great records. This is something we learned from Russ Elevato, also the, the engineer that we worked with last, the last two records. So actually take a break from recording your record and listen to some great records that inspire you and then uh-huh. go back to your record and you have a brand new perspective on your own work and it gets you out of your own head and it, and it makes you go, okay, what do we have to do to get it closer to like what this, you know, what the flavor of that is while keeping it our own or keeping it, you know, a, you know, a lettuce record, you know, and not copying anyone, obviously, but yeah, we, we love taking pieces from other things and, you know, referencing past records and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You mentioned like the Hendrix record and Lee Scratch Perry, but were there, are there any specific ones from this record making this album that you guys listen to or listen to multiple times even? Um, yeah. I mean, every song has its own story. Okay. You know, uh, obviously for the Bootsy song, um, keep the funk alive. We referenced a whole shitload of Bootsy stuff, yes. you know, and P funk and parliament and like, how does the bass hit? How does how does the snare and the you know how does the kick drum hit? How do the you know how loud are the horns? You know, like should we bump the horns up a little bit when the vocals aren't in, and then when the vocals come back in, we bump the horns down a little bit. Like mm-hmm. all those kind of little things that we learned 
The answers are in the records, are in the classic records. James Brown, Maceo Parker, uh, the meters. Um, those are the, the, the holy grail of the, of, the, of the kind of music that we love. You know, funk music, soul music. Mm-hmm. And all we have to do is to reference those things to, you know, to, to study that and, and study it without copying it is right. always the goal for us. You know, we, we refuse to, to do a sound alike uh, thing where it's like, okay, we're in this genre. Let's sound like people like, no, but let, let's, let's understand what they did better. And let's listen to it all as a group. And then go back to our record and understand how we can apply some of those concepts. Right. Sound sound like lettuce with a little bit of P funk thrown in. Exactly. For, you know, for the Bootsy song, that that's one example. Right. Right. You um, know, for, for for everything's gonna be all right. Um, there there's a song uh, by the Clark Sisters. I can't think of the title right now. It's in all the the write ups that that Nigel was inspired by and and kind of remixed this track by the Clark sisters. I think it's the same title. Of, yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't, I think it might be the same title. Yeah, it's yeah, the same yeah. title. And the song is slightly different, but the groove is very similar and the yes. bass is very similar. So instead of us changing that up, we love the original groove. We loved it. You know, mm-hmm. so so we decided to do a co-write with the Clark sisters. They're They're involved in the writing of that. That's cool. You know, like, because we, because we use that and we, we've never yeah. really done anything like this before, but you know, it is what we use. Like we, we, you know, you go back to that Clark system, you listen to the bass and the drums and how simple the drums are and how, how, how cool the bass is and it's a little slap part and everything mm-hmm. and, and the vocals and how they hit. So yeah, we, the answers are, are in those records for sure. So is that song Nigel's idea? Did he come up with that first? Yeah. It's Nigel's like re, reinterpretation of that great Clark sisters tune with like a new verse that he added. And Nick Daniels also added a verse. So it's like, it's like reimagining an old song. It's like like a remake, not a cover, right? Right. It's totally not a cover. Yeah. You know, I was a little confused by that at first because it's not the same song, but it is the same song. It's totally confusing. And uh, we've never done anything like this before. But Nigel is a unique human being and yes. he came in and he had this idea and we don't shoot down ideas. We, we uh-huh. love ideas. We love different concepts and ideas. And you want to bring this person in or do this or cover this, but change it. And do, let's do it. As long as we're giving credit to the original people that mm-hmm. came up with their music, I'm all for it. mentioned Bootsy Collins now a couple of times, obviously the, the legendary bass player. Um, was this the first time you guys worked with Bootsy? Yes, it was. And I'd like to add that he played bass and played, took a solo on, on the bass at the end. Oh, sick. Um, 
you know, that really crazy distorted, like sounds mm-hmm. like a low guitar. That's yeah. him on bass. And, you know, and he's not playing bass too much this, these days. Um, you know, he's, he's at home just kind of writing and creating and, and that kind of stuff. But to get that was a phenomenal thing. And, and it happened totally organically with him. And he's also on vocals. Uh, you know, he right. wrote an amazing, really cool out there spacey lyrics that I love. They're yes. so in. And, um, yeah, it's a, it totally happened organically through a friend of ours, Paul Levine, who is known for Bear Creek Festival, you know, the owner of Bear uh-huh. Creek Festival. And and uh, he had a contact and he sent the song to Bootsy and, and his wife, Patty, and the rest was history. And how does that experience rank in your, you know, with having played with so many amazing musicians that you've played with? What what what's it like to to have this sort of master of funk? <laughs> well, you know, we've done some work with Maceo. We've done some gigs with other artists like Maceo Parker, who sure. the original sax player for James Brown. You know, Fred Wesley has been a, a, a collaborator of ours since we first started in ninety. Our first gig with with Fred was ninety six or something. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, at the Wetlands. Shout out to Peter Shapiro and and for allowing that whole thing to happen. Rest um, in peace, wetlands. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace. Well, yeah, it might, it might be coming back. We'll see. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Pete's always up to something. No doubt. Um, but, you know, yeah. What were we talking about? We were, I got distracted. Uh, working with Bootsy and, and you were yeah. talking about Fred yeah, Wesley. Like, and- yeah. so we've done some work with some of James Brown's close, uh, you know, close people that, that worked with James mm-hmm. done some work with the meters with George Porter is now like been my big brother. And like, I, I love him, you know, so much. And he's such a mentor to us. Leo Nocentelli from the meters a mentor Zigaboo, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I just want to say that they're all incredible to, to, you know, to work with those types of people that are on the Mount Rushmore of funk. Yes. Music, you know, and, but Bootsy, is the figurehead of all of that, yes. you know, to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the embodiment. He's the embodiment. He's, he, he's the cartoon character that has broken through to the public mm-hmm. through not just his music, but his visual presence, the way he talks, the way, you know, what he's worked on, you know, how much he contributed to just music and hip hop. You know, he's known in oh, hip hop yeah. circle, you know, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Oh, totally. And they paid totally. yeah. handsomely for what he's contributed. And, and, you know, so yes, this is the biggest thing we've ever done. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It sure yeah. seems like it, man. Oh, and, and I saw you guys got to hang with him recently. Is that right? Yeah. We, uh, we had a gig in Ohio and Shmeen's our guitar player said, Hey, uh, why don't we rent a van and go to Bootsy's house and on, on our day off. And they were like, we all just like light bulbs went off. Like, wait, it's only two hours away. And we could just go there, you know, and do it. Go hang. Yeah. And and it was like brilliant. And management called his wife and and it all happened. Went down. Next thing you know, we're at his house and his wife welcomes us in, you know, peppermint patty, sweetheart Mm -hmm. has food for everybody. She brings out some of Bootsy's uh, own wine. He has his own wine company. Uh, nice. Bootsy Wine, you know? Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah. And like now our 
you know, Benny and Zoides are going to, they have a wine company, a distri- wine distribution company, and now they're going to distribute the Bootsy wine oh, for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, wow. With it was like this incredible so, so thing. making business connections and stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're totally just going to work together. And, you know, it was just, uh, talk about a love fest. And, like, he cheated us like, bro- like little brothers, like, right away. Like, none of, no ego, no any, you know, it was just like, wow, like, this dude is the truth, the absolute truth. And uh, so, yeah, so going to his house was legendary. Uh, like just talking about it, I, I get the chills. Probably. It probably brought kind of a, the, the whole experience full circle and, and really, I'm sure, just enhanced the, the entire process of getting to work with him. guys also had we mentioned nick daniels from dumpster funk and you also had a berkeley professor jeff lockhart play guitar um, jeff lockhart yeah. How, yeah how does how does that collaboration make its way onto the album uh every band has its its yoda the yeah. person outside of the band that kind of mentored everybody uh-huh. I, I feel like it's one like for fish for mineski martin wood that's bob moses uh-huh Right, Bob Moses is a jazz drummer who's super spiritual, and mm-hmm. he's the mentor, the the kind of the guy that brought Nesky Martin and Wood together. Okay, you know, so for us, that's Jeffrey Lockhart. Gotcha, gotcha. He's our, he's our Bob Moses. He's he's our the, the the you know our spiritual wise one that that has put us onto the upper levels of playing instrumental funk music and what that entails to, you know, to really stretch and bring a crowd in and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, he's just the master. So having him on the record is a total honor for us and full circle for us. And we're going to produce his solo record. And if you could print that, he needs all the press he can get. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, you know, uh, all his students know he's the greatest and we just gotta, we just gotta let the world know. And, uh, you know, so we we'll look forward to, a really funky Jeff Lockhart record uh, come, you know, in the next year or two. Very cool. Um, and Nick Daniels is one of the greatest musicians we've ever met. He is one of our deepest links to New Orleans, the city of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And um, he's treated us like family since day one. Um, not only is he an extremely funky bass player, but he grew up a singer. Yeah. And he, he grew up doing acapella groups. And then he joined the Neville brothers Um and was singing background and playing bass. And then he started dumpster funk, you know, with Ivan and mm-hmm. he's just such a good dude. And he holds dumpster funk together. He's like the glue 
of dumpster funk. He, you know, he's yeah. just such a good dude. Like everyone loves Nick, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and uh, just having him on the record is another honor. And, you know, he's a, it's an OG. He's another big brother of ours. How did they record their parts? Were they in the studio with you guys or was that done remotely? Um, for, yeah, for Lockhart, he was in the studio with a good friend of ours, a drummer, Charles Haynes. And they okay. were like on the phone going back and forth, <laughs> sending things back and send, <laughs> so right. it was like, you know, he was in good hands with a good friend mm-hmm. and we were all like, you know, there virtually. And for Nick Daniels, Nigel was in there with him okay. in New Orleans and Nigel won't sing in Colorado because of the air's too thin. Oh, no and he doesn't, he doesn't like his vocal. He doesn't like recording vocals here. Interesting. He goes, you know, I'll sing a scratch vocal, but when I get back to New Orleans where the moisture is, I'll do it for I, real. I will, I will cut my vocals there, you know? Uh-huh. So uh, th- that, that's how it worked out. And you guys also worked with Jesse O'Brien this time around, right? Jesse O'Brien, just a, a, a dream to work with. I, I recommend every, everyone to hit him up. He is the quickest, the fastest, and he has great rhythm and he could fix a little mistake without you even knowing it was there. And he's just so good at, at the upper levels of, of engineering and, and being cool and, and focused and a hard worker. I just can't say enough about how great he is. And I imagine that's pretty important to you as a drummer, given the, the importance of the, of the drum sound as sort of the, the basis of, of, of everything that you guys do. Really? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. His, his sense of rhythm and drums and where drums should sit in the mix and all he's learned from Russ Elevato as well, because he was the engineer on those sessions with Russ. Okay. Um, so he soaked all that in also and uh-huh. was around for our last record and last two records. So yeah, we just like really trust this guy and he's just a dream to work with and, and his his rhythmic approach of how to like, you know, make sure everything's in the right pocket, in the right rhythmic place. Mm-hmm. And um, he just understands that in the way that we understand it. And that's really rare for an engineer. So does that mean that he kind of has that natural ability to to communicate with you guys and share that same language that we were talking about before? Exactly. As if he's like in the band, like a musician, like he's, you know, he he speaks the exact language we speak. I see. And then, so uh, getting back to sort of when you guys are are working on things together and and like, how do you guys come up with something say as, as fundamental as the, the track list? How did you guys, how do you guys come up with the, with these essential, ostensibly a a group decision? You know, what are the songs on the album? What's the track list? What's the sequencing? What kind of discussions do you guys have to come up with that stuff? Well, as you know, we're a democracy and there's no one, uh, laying down the law or we mm-hmm. all vote on everything and we all put together it's a total everybody uh you know let, let, let's decide what's best and we look at it like like a like like a concert a record in a way is mm-hmm. a listening experience just like a concert so you, you start with a classic let song like gravy train you know classic funk mid-tempo and then you you go from there and you, you speed up or slow down and you yeah. You treat it with as you would treat a set list. Okay. And so getting to set lists, you guys haven't had not played a lot of the songs on the album or maybe any of the songs on the album prior to recording them. And I think you've, you've started playing some of them live now. Um, what was that a conscious decision to, to 
take them to the studio first rather than performing them live? Well, we couldn't perform them live really. Because okay. We had, we had gotcha. written them over the pandemic. Were, were well, any no. of the songs from pre-pandemic though? I, I mean, like, I would have to look at the track list. Yeah. Um, not, most of them are not. Most of okay. them were, were brand new. Um, a couple of them, I think, uh, Waffles, we played once in Europe. Okay. And it was like, it just got written in Europe. Like during our, our last European trip, right before the pan- pandemic shut Europe down. I love that tune. It's super epic, anthemic. It has a, a really great, <laughs> like, it, it, every time I've listened to it, I've had to go and look and be like, what's the name of this one again? Yeah, I really dug that tune. Appreciate it. That was written off, you know, like, living out there in Europe on tour when a uh, four, four or five week tour and enjoying Europe with, with your, with your friends and playing great shows every night. And that kind of stuff inspires me to write and create. So were you like eating Belgian waffles at the time? Is that how that yeah, song title I mean, comes I mean, about? We, we definitely could have been in, Bel- in Belgium at that time. Mm-hmm. For sure. uh, how do you guys title your instrumental songs? That's the, you know, that's a question we often ask on the podcast, but it's such a, every, you know, it's such a interesting uh, uh, thing for an ans- an interesting answer most of the time. Well, you know, we have the working titles, which are funny, you know, they're uh, whatever helps us remember it right away. Yeah. Turkey funk, Turkey funk, <laughs> stuff like that, you know? And then we go back and Jesus is really good with, you know, we had a song called bounce um, mm-hmm. and bounce can also mean like, yo, I'm going to bounce. I got, I got to go. Right. So Jesus like took it as that. And he said, okay, what's Spanish for I got leaving It's vamanos. Yeah. You know, so he, he's good with like kind of All right. taking the that. original working title and thinking about it a lot. And then flipping it to something else. So Jesus is uh, really good at naming uh, the tunes for sure. And then when you guys are playing shows and you're introducing these new songs into your set lists, how do you, is it a democracy there too? How do you guys come up with your set lists from night to night? That's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a democracy. Um, totally. We all get together. Uh, you know, like what song Nigel wants to sing tonight. Nigel, what do you feel like singing? Move on up. No, I don't want to sing Move On Up. I sing it every night. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, you want to do uh, do it like you do? Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. Okay, great. You know, uh, yeah. that kind of stuff goes on. So it's pretty, um, loo- it's pretty loose, it sounds like, then. It's it's totally a hang. We hang in the background. Yeah, yeah. Some vibe. And, like, Shmeens and Zoidis are, and Benny are, like, the primary set list guys that get it going. Mm-hmm. And then me and Jesus are kind of like the, move this here, put that there, do this, move, you know. Yeah. More hip hop. I want more hip hop. You know, like yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, Shmeez wants to do all the funky songs. Me and Jesus want to do all the hip hop songs. <laughs> so I just like to have a lot of fast funkies, and we gotta have the fast funk in there. You know, mm-hmm. second song. Zoidis, why do you want to go fast right away? Let's wait till we get wait till later in the set to play fast, and we're warmed up. No, we gotta get them right. You know, so you know everyone likes what they like at, at the times. You know, Benny wants his solo around the fourth or fifth song when he's warmed up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Solo, you know or he sometimes if, he, if he's feeling warmed up he wants the first solo but it's like uh-huh. okay let's hit him go get him you know so yeah it depends on how everyone's feeling who's hot that night it's like mm-hmm. basketball oh you know? like yeah yeah give me the ball hot give me the ball you give him the yeah. ball yeah 
That's that's great. Well, you guys are about to get back at it. Uh, your Rooster Walk Festival this weekend, right? Bunch of festivals yep. coming up. Yeah, we uh, got to fly out to Virginia. Should be fun to be out there. Do you guys approach your festival sets differently than you would, say, a normal, quote unquote, normal concert for you guys? Um, like, are those backstage hangs, those discussions about the set list, are they different when you're at a festival? Well, I know certain festivals. It depends on the festival, man. Like, you know, we, we yeah, you know, for this festival, we're just gonna write a regular set list. You know, n- nothing. Uh, you know extra crazy mm-hmm. but you know first say we're playing hula weed and you have all these kids that came to see all this bass music and dubstep and electronic yeah so we might you know throw in a couple more songs and hint at that you right. know so right. those kids go oh I, I like lettuce i didn't know they did that kind of stuff you know sure so sure. you know we, we like to kind of cater to you know we played a a, a a festival in DC the other day, and it was like all Ghostface and Wiz Khalifa fans, and yeah. and like Go Go bands, and like we came out with the hardcore Go Go hip hop set, oh, and like you know, and did it did it right. So we love you know staying true to what we want to play, but also getting into the vibe of where we're at and what the music's like. We're in New Orleans. We're gonna have George Porter, and we're gonna mm-hmm. play some meters and vibe out on that. You know, yeah. just wherever we're at. You know, we're in Minneapolis you know, let's, let's Prince, let's, let's, yeah. let's hint at three different Prince songs at these three different songs, you know, like right, right. that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's all, it's all, uh, you know, depends on where you're at. Well, I encourage everybody out there listening to check out the new lettuce record unify. It comes out June 3rd. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, hopefully, uh, people get to see you do it live this summer at a festival, yeah. playing lots of festivals and then you're heading <laughs> to Europe. So stay safe out there. Um, Adam, I appreciate your time today, man. Thank you, man. episode of the jam based podcast thanks to adam for taking the time to chat be sure to check out the new lettuce album unify wherever you find good music thanks to our sponsors grateful fred visit grateful-fred.com today thanks also to jake alexander for helping put this episode together and thanks as always to all of you out there for listening to the podcast and bearing with us after skipping last week we'll be back next week with another interview and more so in the meantime stay safe out there and go see live music